Imagine with me for a moment that you go to an appointment at Dr. Overcash's office. You've, you've set the appointment a couple weeks back. You've made arrangements to get off work, have somebody watch the kids. You drive to the office. You sign in your time of arrival. You fill out the paperwork. Nurse comes and gets you, walks you back, checks your weight, temperature, all those other things, walks you to a room, says, uh, Dr. Overcash will be in just a moment. You say, oh, great. You sit down. I always want to sit on the rolly stool, but you know that's his stool, so you've got to sit in a regular chair. Fine, whatever. Sit down. A few minutes later, he comes in. You just saw him in the video. Nice guy. Sits down, caring. So, hey, talk to me. What's going on? And this is the moment, okay? It's an opportunity for you to have a conversation, to share something that might feel personal and, and private, but you're going to glean some wisdom, some perspective, some training and skills that you don't have. He might help you learn some things about yourself that you didn't know. He may well prescribe you with some medication that's going to set you on a path to healing and could cure or change whatever ailment you came in experiencing, but it's going to require you to, to say some personal, maybe private things. What would it be like if when he said, so how you doing? What if you were to say, that is none of your business. <laughs> like, or, or if you want to be a little more polite, what if you were just like, you know what? I'd rather not say, you know, like it'd be ridiculous. You just did all the work of getting here. You're in the room. Taking your clothes off and you got a fabric over you, like you'd rather not say, like, what's the deal? Well, for the last few weeks, we've been in a series called Two Big Questions, where we're looking at two questions we ask every weekend here at Seacoast. What is God saying to me and what am I going to do about it? And it's an opportunity for you to put feet to your faith, for the good news to become great joy because you allow it to become personal. We believe when we set aside time to get in his word, that it's living, that it's active. It's not just a word for thousands of years ago, but a word for you today that God wants to speak to you. And in a church our size, there's about 20,000 people every weekend. And I know there's hundreds of people that come forward for prayer. You'll see them burden with different things. And all of us walk in with things that are unique to us. Maybe points of, of pain professionally. Things aren't working out how we thought they would. Points of pain relationally with friends or family or points of pain financial. Or maybe it's with friends, things going on in your life. How many of you would say that you have some pain point in your life that you would like to see the spirit of God, the power of God at moving? Man, hands all over the room. We all have pain. And this weekend, we've talked about the significance of the cross. When people get up at the end of the service and write and pin something to the cross, we've talked about the candles, the significance of communion and worship and giving. And this week, we're going to be talking about prayer. And as I thought about prayer, I went to a conversation in my mind envisioning going to see Dr. Overcash or any doctor for that matter. You've done all the work. Of, of getting dressed and showing up for the service. I mean, the appointment, right? You've shown up in the room and in the moment where you could have a conversation that could possibly lead to health and healing that requires you to share some personal information with somebody. Oftentimes, when it comes to prayer, man, we just have this, this wall, this hurdle we have to get over that can be difficult for people. Maybe it's because you feel self-reliant. You're like, man, I'm a grown man. Unless you're a grown woman. Hopefully you're not thinking you're a grown man. But you feel like, I'm a smart, hardworking guy. I should be able to meet this need. I should be able to solve this problem. I should be able to address this situation. It'd be silly for me to walk up and ask for somebody to pray 
about something I know I need to do. And maybe that's the problem. Maybe you know you need to do it or you know what you ought to do, but you have some sense of shame or embarrassment because you just haven't, you haven't done it. You feel like if I go up and ask for prayer, man, how silly is that? Ask for God to help me to do something I know I need to do, right? Maybe you think if I go up there, like what if they tell somebody? And that is one thing I want to speak to. You can be confident that our prayer teams are always confidential. They don't share any personal information for people that, that call or email the church asking for prayer or come up at the end of the a service to receive prayer. They send out a prayer chain email to our staff and prayer team members, and they just use the person's first initial, not even, not even a name. So anytime you come forward for prayer for any reason, you can always be certain that it's done so in confidence. People aren't talking about you. Nobody's going to look at you different or anything like that. There's, there's a lot of reasons that we don't come up for prayer. And my only goal with the message today is to give you a sense of why. Man, God came. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Every week I talk to people that come to Seacoast for the first time and they say they, they leave feeling something different. Man, it was some, they don't have language for it, but what it is, is the Holy Spirit. God shows up when we are together and go after him. He desires for us to experience his love, experience his presence, and step into the fullness of life that he came to offer. But it's going to require us getting over that wall and sharing some personal, maybe private information. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And anytime you speak of, of personal stuff, that maybe can be hard for you to say or share. It demands a sense of humility that if and when we do, man, we can see God show up in power and do some incredible things. So why pray? A couple things for us. The first of which is because we are a body. We are a body. Turn to your neighbor and say, this is a good body. <laughs> I'm trying to help you, bro. <laughs> If you were intentional with where you sat today, it might lead to a conversation after church. I'm just saying. All right. Paul gave us a vision in 1 Corinthians 12 as to who we are called to be and how we are called to operate. It says this, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. We were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do, do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it would not for that reason start, stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in every body, every one of them. Say every one of them. Every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. See, generally speaking, we understand the language and the metaphor given here, and we don't have a problem with who we are called to be. But I would suggest our, our challenge comes into play in terms of how we are called to operate. One of the most fascinating things for me about the body is how it communicates within itself. If I were to go and stub my toe getting up out of bed in the night, almost in a, in a millisecond without me having to think about it, right? My body relays the pain to my brain. 
I can use bowling words and wake up the baby like all in a second without thinking, right? It's amazing. It's been studied and the speed of communication between a pain point and our brain is between 156 and 270 miles per hour. Amazing. We gauge the most impressive sports cars by their ability. How many seconds it takes them to go from zero to 60 seconds. And you got 270 mile per hour goodness happening inside of you, like without you even initiating it or trying to think about it. I did some studying on on what that process looks like this week. Check this out. It says when we feel pain, such as when we touch a hot stove, sensory receptors in our skin send a message via nerve fibers, A delta fibers and C fibers to the spinal cord, then to the brain stem and then on to the brain where the sensation of pain is registered and the information is processed and the pain is perceived. (laughs) It's like a file is made. Don't touch the stove. 270 miles per hour. All that stuff happens. It's remarkable that God made our bodies to have such immediate communication to relay pain. So it should be within the body of Christ. A breakdown in communication within our bodies is actually categorized as a disorder. It's called channelopathy, which is associated congenital insensitivity to pain. It's a condition that inhibits the ability to perceive physical pain from birth. Affected individuals never feel pain in any part of the body. When injured, people with this condition can feel the difference between sharp and dull, hot and cold, but they cannot sense, for example, that a hot beverage is burning their tongue. Pain is a vital signal that helps people avoid danger and injuries. People who cannot feel pain experience more injuries and experience shorter life expectancies. See, the ability to communicate pain is important in my body because in any moment, if I'm cut or injured, then physically I can respond to care for the part of me that's in pain. If I'm cut, I can bandage the wound. If a bone is broke, I can splint it until I can get to go and see a doctor. And when you look around a room like this, you saw a few moments ago, nearly every hand went up and we said, we have some kind of a pain point that we walk into an experience like this at our campuses online here in the room. Yet we can often live with a spiritual channelopathy, an inability or unwillingness to just share the pain point we're experiencing. This week, I decided in preparing for the message, I was like, man, I'm not going to carry pain one day. And so every day this week, I would make a point. Sometimes it happened organically. Sometimes I just phoned a friend that said, hey, here's how I'm feeling. Here's what I'm walking through. Here's what's happening. Will you pray for me? And man, it led to text messages, phone calls. I'm checking in on you. And all too often, we can suffer in silence. And the narrative we tell ourselves is, I'm the only one going through this. I did this to myself. It's always going to be like this. You just got to get over it. Like we, we start telling ourselves this story that is just not the case. The reality is we are a body. And in the same way that my body communicates at 270 miles an hour to relay pain so that it can be addressed. So it ought be in the body of Christ. It's how he's called us to operate. So why pray? Number one, because we are a body. Number two, because bodies need healing. Because bodies need healing. About six to eight months ago, I woke up one morning and I had a a low ringing in my left ear. It was like maybe a two out of 10, real subtle. But I was like, man, my ear is ringing. About a week went by, woke up one morning and it had gone to my right ear too. Now I had a low, low key ring in both ears. 
About a week went by, and it went from like a two to an eight. I wish I could breathe longer so that would feel as aggravating to you as it was in my life. It would not go away. And after about a week of that, I was just like, I'm starting. I would have anxiety. I was getting angry with the kids, angry with people. Like my my patience fuse was just gone because I was living with this, ah, you know. So I go to the doctor. They run some hearing tests. He comes in and says, you have sudden sensorineural hearing loss. I got about 50% hearing loss in my left and 40% loss in my right. So they say the most aggressive form of treatment is inner ear steroid shots. I was like, inner ear? What, what, what you mean? And he said, well, there's your outer ear, your middle ear, and your inner ear. And I was like, bro, there's ear and brain. Like, that's, you want to stick a needle? You want to put steroids in my brain? You know, like, <laughs> probably needed that in high school, but all right. So we, we went with it. And as soon as he started, I'm telling you, I don't do good with shots in general. But as soon as he said it, I called Katie because there was some risk involved. I called Katie to figure out what I should do. Doctor came back in the room. It looked like I had jumped in the shower with my clothes on. Like I'm, I sweated through my shirt. He went and got a nurse to sit in there and hold my hand. <laughs> I'm for real. And so, and so they, cause he was like, we need to act fast. It's been a while. So they do the first shot that day. God, I wish you'd been there. I had to do eight rounds of it. And so went through eight rounds of this. I was taking meds, heading into the appointment just so I wouldn't wet in my clothes. Like it was bad. And so get through the eighth round, take a hearing test. And like the big day, miracle revealed, no improvement. And so for about two months, I came up for a response time for prayer. Hey, this ring and told the story, had people pray over me. Man, I'd see Seacoasters in Pizza Hut and get prayer. How you doing? How's your ears? Let me tell you, could you pray for me, right? <laughs> At the gas station. I mean, I was going after God, believing in the power of prayer. And there never came a point where I said, God doesn't want to heal me. God won't heal me. God doesn't have the power to heal me. But the ringing never went away. And so I just kind of settled that like, this is, this is how it's going to be. Until about a month ago, a friend of ours, Elizabeth Reppert said, hey, how are your ears? And man, she started going after God for my ears. She would ask every couple days, text me, and it was pushing on me of like, what happened in me that I stopped believing that God could heal me? Did I just get distracted? Did I stop wanting it? Did I settle that maybe he just can't do it, won't do it? I don't deserve for him to do it. I don't know. But it's reignited in me that, man, Jesus came that we might struggle through life and limp across the finish line. Is that what it says? No. It says that we, he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. But all too often, if your life is anything like mine, we can experience these pain points, not experience change, and just accept them as a new normal instead of fighting for everything that Jesus paid for. Isaiah 53, 5 puts some skin on that verse. What does abundant life look like? Is it really supposed to be healing? This is what it says. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that bought us peace was on him, and by his wounds, we are healed. By his wounds, we are healed. That word healed there is is literal. It's the same word used in scripture for a physician, for a, a medical healing. All throughout the gospels, when Jesus came to a people who were in need, who were deaf or blind or subject to bleeding for years, like he would meet their physical need by way of medical miracle so that he could address their eternal needs. 
God desires to bring about healing in our bodies. And it might be a relational need for you, maybe with a spouse or a sibling, a professional need, things that haven't worked out how you thought they would, a financial need, man, you've worked hard and hard and you're struggling. But you need to know that God desires to bring about blessing in your life. But we can't throw in the towel accepting that the way it's been is the way that it's always going to be. Why pray? Because we are a body and because our bodies need healing. And number three, because healing happens through prayer. Healing happens through prayer. First John 1 9 says he is faith. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. See, anytime we come to God and confess our sin, he is faithful to forgive us, whether it's something that we just learned about ourselves or a, a attitude or behavior of our lives or something that we've struggled with for years. He is a loving father. And when we turn to him and repent of our sin, he is faithful to forgive us. But it is very possible for us as believers to live as a people who are forgiven, but still in desperate need of healing because God's chosen path for healing is prayer. James 5, 16 says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, for some of you, you might hear that and think, well, that's where you lose me because I am not a righteous person. Abraham believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. Without faith, it's impossible for us to please God. The righteous will live by faith. Scripture tells us the only thing that makes you Righteous is purely having faith in what Jesus paid for on the cross, being a man or a woman of faith that's saying, I'm going to put my trust in you. The prayer of that man or woman is powerful and effective. So God is faithful to forgive us, but yet he says, confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so that you may be healed. If he opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble man, one of the only ways I introduce humility into my everyday relationships with people is by sharing the ways that I'm suffering in silence, the sins that I'm carrying shame over, the personal needs or struggles that I'm having that I might feel like I should be able to resolve this. Anytime we humble ourselves, man, it creates fertile ground for the spirit of God to show up and move in power. In 2017, George and Rebecca live in North Carolina and they showed up here to Seacoast on a weekend. They had recently just tragically lost their daughter. She'd passed away and they came in town and showed up at Seacoast because this was her church and they wanted to be where she worshiped. And we got to the end of a service and response time started. And at that time, Jim and Martha Wellborn were walking up here to serve as part of our prayer team. And Martha caught her eye. And so they walked up to the two of them for prayer and said, man, we don't know. We don't know what to say. We don't even really know what we need, but our daughter just tragically passed away. Would you, would you pray for us? What they had no clue about was that years prior, Jim and Martha had tragically lost a daughter as well. They say, you don't, you don't have to say anything. We know what you need. We know what you're going through. Let's pray. I just thought, man, in a room full of thousands, what are the odds that two people carrying and walking through an unimaginable grief could walk up for prayer with a couple who had experienced the same tragic loss. Man, only God could do that. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
the father of compassion and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. The reason we're supposed to confess our sins, the reason we're supposed to to pray for each other is so that there might be a supernatural transfer that happens. It says the, that you would comfort others with the same comfort you receive from God, meaning that you walk through some version of hell on earth and see the spirit of God show up to comfort you, encourage you, bring about healing and breakthrough. There will come a point where what was a place of pain and misery in your life becomes a place of ministry. Because you can say, hey, God did this in me, and I know he can do it in you. In the moment where they feel helpless, where they're hurting, where they're questioning if or how or what God would ever do, you can say, he did it in me, he'll do it in you, and they can piggyback on your faith and pray. Church, why pray? Because we are a body. Our bodies need healing, and healing happens through prayer. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. For the church, I'm thankful for brothers and sisters who have experienced much of the same pain and grief and sin and struggle. People who are as desperately needy for practical things in their lives, desperately needy for the spirit of God in their lives as I am. And I pray today against any spirit of isolation or loneliness or folks who may be suffering in silence. I pray that there would be an air of transparency and vulnerability that would give way to power. I think about Paul saying that he boasted all the more in his weakness so that in his weakness, your power would be made perfect. I pray that today in person and online, you would create an environment of perfect power as we humble ourselves, as we come forward for prayer, God, that you would miraculously heal relationships, miraculously heal bodies, that you would bring peace, that you would bring about salvation God, would you use us everyday average people to humble ourselves, pray for one another, and see you bring about breakthrough in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.